Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hello and welcome to the Publicly Challenged Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Oswald, and I hope you join me on my quest for knowledge to become a better hunter, angler, and forager. Stick with us, and who knows, maybe we will learn something together. Before we get to the show, I just want to mention a few things. Initial Ascent Packs, they're awesome. I used a 2K all last season. Still using it now for stuff. Uh, I'm going to be using it for uh, training, for uh, prepping for my hunt and getting some miles in with some, uh, some weight on my back. And I uh, just recently picked up a 6K, and it's going to be awesome as well. Plan on using it on my elk hunt along with the 2K if I'm doing some day hunts or something and having a base camp. But uh, if I'm packing on my back and going in there, depending on where I'm at, I'm going to be using that 6K. Uh, Dennis and Joe are amazing people. What's awesome about that company is you can reach out to them, and they're the ones who are going to answer your call and actually talk to you about their product. And you're going to even get a handwritten note from them thanking you for your purchase and uh, wishing you luck on that hunt. And I just find that is super awesome and amazing in this day and age to have somebody that does that for you. And uh, actually, handwrites a note for you is just amazing. And uh, on top of that, it's an American-made product. And one thing about this podcast is, and myself, is just that anything that's American-made that I can support or get behind and it's a quality product, I'm going to talk about it. This is not a paid promotion. I'm honestly just talking to you about an amazing pack. So uh, check them out. If, if you don't have one or you're looking for a pack, give, give them a try. Uh, you'll like it for sure. And then on top of that, we're going to talk about TreelineAcademy.net. TreelineAcademy.net is the most comprehensive e-scouting course ever, ever made. Mark Livesey is just an amazing, amazing wealth of knowledge, and he's willing to share that with everybody. So uh, check that out and see what's going on there with that. Use promo code PC2020. Save yourself 20% on sign up. It's awesome. And uh, actually, it's not 20%. It's 20 bucks. Save yourself $20 off a of sign up. Then the next one I want to talk about is Basemap. Basemap app with their hunt data, 
the the online mapping system for e-scouting, setting waypoints, smart markers. Uh, so you have all your hunt data on the wind and anything, as long as you have a cell signal. It's absolutely amazing. There's so much more that's coming out. They've updated their offline maps, so they're way, way, way faster than they used to be, which I know a lot of people were actually kind of complaining about that, but now they're lightning fast. I've downloaded them, used them. It's awesome. On top of that, they've got some new updates that are coming out that are just going to blow you away. Can't talk about them yet, but we will be talking about them. So check them out. Use promo code PC25. Save yourself 25% on sign up. Only on the website, not on the app. And with that being said, let's get to our show. All right. So I'm sitting here and I am talking to the wonderful Dr. Hillary Lampers. So Doc Hillary, can you please go ahead and introduce yourself a little bit? Hi, I am uh, Hillary or Dr. Hillary, as a lot of people know me or Doc. I don't know. I get a lot of nicknames going on. Um, I am a naturopathic physician in Montana and Washington, but I currently live in Montana. Obviously, probably many of your listeners know my husband, Ryan Lampers, who everybody has the man crush on. I'm really just the, I'm just really the back, like, behind the scenes person who makes everything happen uh, while Ryan's out in the mountains making it happen there. So um, we've been married for 24 years this June, which is crazy. Um, We have a podcast as well, Hunt Harvest Health, um, that we started in 2016. And then we also have a brand called Stealthy Hunter, Stay Healthy with an H. And then... um, on top of all that, Stealthy Hunter is mainly an informational website where we just, that was our original brand. We started talking about gardening, hunting, nutrition, healthcare, uh, really all the things we love to do. Um, we do have some products on there we've developed and then we branched out. Um, we have a nutritional company now called Stay Healthy Nutrition. We sell CBD and high quality nutritional products for the outdoor and hunting industry. That's kind of our niche. And then we also have an events company um, and we do the Western hunting summits, which is where I met you originally. And, um, and then I also have a full-time patient care practice in Bozeman. So I do four days a week of patient care along with all that other stuff. So, (laughs) and I have two young children and a home and a husband that's gone a lot. So that's, that's my story. <laughs> but so, yeah. um, one of the things that kind of drew me to having you on the podcast and educating us is all the cool stuff you talk about that normally you don't hear, especially in, you know, a guy's world, right? You, you hear about like baby nutrition and you hear about exercise and fitness, but how often do you hear about the hormones and things affecting your hormones and how you can regulate those better or change it where they can impact your life in a meaningful way. And that's something that I really wanted to talk about with you today. Hey, well, cool. (laughs) I can talk about that stuff all day long. That's not a problem. (laughs) So um, one of the things everybody always talks about is testosterone, right? And you know, how do I get my T up higher and all that kind of stuff. But a lot of times it's other things that affect that that are causing low testosterone, or maybe it's not even low testosterone, something's masking that, right? 
Um, yeah, so low testosterone is interesting because obviously it's going to affect older guys. Um, and when I say older guys, it's just probably going to affect guys in the past anyways, probably over 40 more than the guys under 40. Um, testosterone is the main male hormone, obviously. And the funny thing is, is I think men think that like testosterone is literally the only thing they have going on in their body, but it's not. Um, but it's, it's what gives you your male sexual characteristics. And, um, so it is a very important hormone for men, obviously. Um, and it obviously sort of peaks in your teens, early twenties, mid twenties. And then I think at age 30, the statistics show you go down 1% every year from there. Um, and obviously just like women who have hormonal cycles and stuff, you know, the reproductive years, when you're trying to create children, you want to have good levels of testosterone. If you're a woman, you want to have good levels of estrogen and progesterone, et cetera. And this is how the population grows and expands is by these hormones working appropriately. Now there's lots of other hormones. Um, I think the year you came to the Western hunting summit, I did a discussion on hormones and I put up like a slide of all the hormones in the body, you know, <laughs> testosterone was one little square, but again, men seem to focus in on that square. Um, and we can talk about some of those other hormones if you want, but testosterone, um, again, is to, um, improve sperm production, uh, fertility, and to give you things like energy, stamina, motivation, um, push you to climb those mountains and do that crossfit workout. And it also helps you deep sleep, stimulates, uh, helps with growth hormone synthesis, um, <clears throat> obviously sperm production and sexual arousal as well as function. And then um, mood, uh, you know, lots of that kind of stuff. So it's very important. The brain has more testosterone receptors than any organ in the body. So the brain is heavily um, influenced by testosterone. So there are lots of things naturally in life that over the, your lifetime will either help you stimulate testosterone or decrease your testosterone depending on the stages of your life. Um, but there's also things now in the environment really in the last 50 years that have been really impacting men's testosterone as well as sperm counts and, you know, their overall health as they age. And so what I'm seeing as an actual clinician, I'm doing mainly men's health is that men are really suffering, uh, from low testosterone at an earlier age. Um, and, that's unfortunate because, you know, there's a stereotype of how men are, well, there's a couple of stereotypes now, but you know, nowadays <laughs> people nowadays, I feel like, and, and I, I say this with the utmost of care and love for people and, and being a clinician, um, but men, young men today, twenties, thirties, forties, um, young children, boys today, they have been severely impacted by the environmental influences that we've had in the last 50 to 60 years, 70 years, mainly the introduction of plastics um, and chemicals, herbicides, pesticides, et cetera, which are all what we call xenoestrogens. And they mimic estrogen in the environment. And they also can attach to estrogen receptors in the body and stimulate estrogen. So, um, 
this is bad for both men and women. Um, we've heard a lot of what's called estrogen excess. And um, men are, men are the, how this really affects men is that uh, you do have estrogen. Men seem to think they have no estrogen. Actually, estrogen is really important for um, a lot of different functions in men, one including moon, mood, bone health, cardiovascular health, sexual function, these kinds of things. Um, but you want it to be at a lower level, right? Uh, women obviously have a lot more estrogen um, because they take most of their testosterone and they turn it into estrogen. But when you have all these estrogens in the environment, um, we do know that now boys, children in utero, um, boys in utero, they are being affected by all these chemicals that are in their mother's cord blood. And these chemicals affect testosterone synthesis. And so um, I think today we have the challenge of dealing with a population of men that uh, were born in a time when they were being exposed to all these chemicals. And that will have a effect on hormone production as well as sperm production and overall mood and behavior behavioral aspects. And so we do see fertility rates going down. I mean, we do see these things in both men and women. And um, so what I try to do is typically the average guy coming to me is like a 40 plus guy, right? He's starting to have all the symptoms. Maybe he's overweight. He's got some insulin resistance. He's not sleeping well. Um, he's starting to notice some things and his primary doctor has just written him off as you're getting older. This is what happens. The guy's age. This is going to be how your life is now. And the great thing about today is because we have so much information at the, our fingertips, you know, most guys come in with Dr. Google and they like researched every <laughs> single thing about testosterone and they've really narrowed it down. They're like, I swear I have a testosterone issue. Like this is my problem. And so I'll work with them. We do a lot of labs and blood work and we do that. But I'm starting to see 20-year-olds and 30-year-olds literally coming in and we're running the same programs. And they have, I have 70 and 80-year-old male patients who have higher testosterone than 20 and 30-year-old males. So the question is, why is that? And again, I think it comes back to that those 70 and 80-year-old men, when they were born and they were exposed, their, their hormone synthesis, their sperm production, all those things. Um, they were not having the same sort of chemical exposure as a young child that boys and men have. And let's just say post-war era. Um, and now, you know, um, and a lot of people don't want to admit that because I think there's this stereotype of like, oh, those hippie granola green people trying to sell us like that, the global warming. And, and I, it has nothing to do with that. It has that we have slowly over time contaminated ourselves by the things that we've created to make our lives easier. So like, I can't go to work in an average day and not be using latex, plastic, you know, sterile things, all these things that save lives and make my life easier, but also protect me from COVID and everything else. You know, I use those things. Um, and we all use plastic water bottles and we all have, I mean, if you just look around the room you're in right now and you look everything in there, that's plastic. Um, so there's importance to know difference plastics and, you know, there's a lot of information out there, but, but I do think that the men nowadays are having more of this dysfunction earlier on because they've, um, there's just more influences. And then of course you add into that, um, 
people aren't moving as much, right? These younger guys are not exercising. They're on their phones, lots of, lots of screen time. Um, they're not as active as like, you know, I'm in my forties and when we were kids, <laughs> we were outside, were outside all, day. <laughs> all day. And I, I was lucky enough to grow up in Montana you know, um, in the eighties when it was just like, nobody knew a Bozeman. Bozeman had nothing going on for it, except that it was an awesome place to live. Obviously everybody's figured that out now. And it's, it's turned into insane. (laughs) Like I just had my house appraised. I had my house appraised a year ago and I had my house appraised this week. And I will not tell you what it appraised at in one year, but it's, and I don't even live in Bozeman. I live 30 minutes outside of Bozeman. It's insane. I bet you it's probably so about Bozeman, three times, right? Three. It's, crit, <laughs> it, it's, it's, yeah, it's not yeah. three times, but in a couple of years, it will be three yeah. to four to five times. That's I mean, insanity. <laughs> and in Washington, you know, so it's really crazy. But what I'm saying is like, you know, we were outside all the time. My parents would kick us out and we had the freedom to roam to go out and to just be outside. We didn't have computers, phones, tablets, um, none of this stuff. You know, we listened to the radio, we watched some PBS and we watched MASH every week. That was like (laughs) what my parents did, okay? And we, um, so as the generations have come and technology has advanced, and I even see it in myself now as a 40 some year old woman who has a career, an online business, a podcast. I do all clinical care online. Everything is now through electronic medical records. In my average day, how much time I spend on my phone and my computer is absolutely ludicrous and unhealthy. There's no doubt about it. And so for me to get away from that, I have to, I have to purposely make time to stay off my electronics. But like, even when I work out, you know, I have a workout app that gives me my workouts. So I have my iPad on (laughs) while I'm doing my workouts or I'm on my elliptical with my iPad. So the only time I really get away from it is going into the mountains. Well, my husband does that six months out of the year. He might have a camera in his face more now than he used to. Obviously, for 20 years, he never had a camera in his face. He, nobody knew who he was. But um, the difference in that kind of activity getting outside compared to the activity a lot of people are doing now today where they're still being um, totally surrounded by electronics and waves and blue light and all this stuff, it's it's radically changed our biochemistry and it is, and you're seeing it in hormones because hormones are very sensitive to the environment and um, they're very sensitive to our lifestyle. And it's like the chicken and the egg. What starts it? You don't really know sometimes. Did you get a hormonal imbalance that threw off things? And now, you know, it's like this, or did your poor lifestyle create hormonal imbalance? You know, there's lots of different ways, but sometimes as we get older, it's hard to tell what the chicken and the egg is anymore. And, um, so yeah, that's kind of the lowdown. That so, was a really long, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. It, it was full of information, right? So um, <laughs> one of the things that, so like, what are the factors then? I know you kind of mentioned them like plastics and all these things, but how, how do those mm-hmm. affect what hormones and then how can you maybe prevent those? Or like you talked about all the screen time and the blue light and that affects sleep, right? So then if it's affecting yeah. your sleep there's other hormones there that will be out of balance that will in turn, yeah. right. Affect your testosterone, affect other levels of other things that really uh, right. cause problems. So there is a, it's, it's really interesting in the hormonal pathway of men and women is we are, all, we are actually identically the same. 
um, our steroid hormone pathway, and I have a paper here somewhere I was going to show you, but it's, it's basically exactly the same. So from cholesterol, we make all of our steroid hormones, which is testosterone, all your androgens. There's many other androgens besides testosterone, estrogens, progesterone, cortisol, which we've all heard about, the adrenal glands. Uh, uh, melatonin is affected as well, um, serotonin and neurotransmitter function, cholesterol. And we all go through the same pathway. When we get to testosterone, men keep most of their testosterone. Women, we convert most of our testosterone into estrogen. Okay. So as like a species, males and females are identical in how, in the actual steroid hormone pathways that they have, they're just doing it a little bit differently. Okay. And that's what will give us, because you have testes and I have ovaries that, and you have a Y chromosome and I have two X chromosome that determines how my body's going to process those steroid hormones. Does that make sense? Yeah. So um, what's really interesting today is that cholesterol is sort of become this evil, right? Like I know in the eighties, the whole movement of like eat margarine instead of butter and cholesterol is bad for you. And like it, just in the, you know, 20, 30, 40 years of this whole idea that, um, cholesterol is bad and we have to get rid of it because it causes cardiovascular disease. Now, cardiovascular disease is the number one killer of both men and women. I believe last year, cardiovascular disease killed more people than COVID, uh, maybe three times as many people as COVID. And a lot of the people that died with COVID had cardiovascular disease, and that's what we call a comorbidity. So <clears throat> definitely cardiovascular disease is an influence, is a factor. But the whole idea that cholesterol is somehow evil and we need to always be decreasing cholesterol has kind of in turn created some problems because cholesterol actually makes all these steroid hormones. Like it starts the process. So if you have low cholesterol to start, you can imagine your steroid hormones are going to be low. Um, and then you have things like, uh, so a great, like a statin medication, statin medications are given to millions of people to decrease their cholesterol levels. Um, and they can be very helpful because they decrease inflammation in the vessel and supposedly decrease cholesterol levels. But over time, statins, because they decrease cholesterol so much, they can lead to hormonal deficiency and dementia because the brain requires a lot of cholesterol to stay healthy and function. And when you lower cholesterol too much, the brain sort of basically becomes starved over many decades of being on statins. And so we do see more dementia in statin patients over time. Um, we also know that the toxics, toxins come in and they play a role again in this steroid hormone pathway. They start going in and mimicking estrogen. And um, we won't get into it, but estrogen metabolism is actually the most important piece in both men and women and how you're going to detoxify your steroid hormones. And so if you've got a lot of these estrogen-like components in your environment and you're con constantly mimicking estrogen, there's three different pathways in detoxification of estrogen that you can have. There's one that goes, detoxes a certain estrogen and you get rid of it in your body. 
There's another pathway that's sort of neutral, doesn't really do a whole lot. There's one that's cancer causing, meaning it's DNA damaging. So if you're pushing a lot of estrogen down that pathway, that's DNA damaging. So we think of breast cancers and ovarian cancers and cancers in general, any kind of receptor, estrogen receptor positive cancer. Um, and the concern too in men with like prostate cancer is that I just say estrogen makes things grow. Estrogen is like, it makes babies grow and fat cells grow and boobs grow. And it also makes cells replicate faster and it makes could make tumors grow, you know? So this whole idea of an estrogen receptor positive cancer, like breast cancers and ovarian cancers can be labeled that way. Um, but also in men, you want to be careful that the guy is not getting so much estrogen or testosterone converting into estrogen or all these estrogen in his environment. Is this leading to more prostate cancers, more tumors and different types of cancers like that? So estrogen is like needed. It's very essential. Um, what I see in men that don't have enough estrogen, and this happens as well too, because Remember, if your testosterone is really low, your estrogen is going to probably be low. I'm not going to necessarily see the toxic element of estrogen in your blood when I run your blood, but you could be exposed. You could be, you could be showing some estrogen excess signs based on like your job would be a great example. You know, if you go to work every day and you work around diesel gas or you work in a plant where they, I don't know wrap things in plastic all day, or you microwave your food every time you eat in plastic, you know, you're getting plastic into you like all the time. And so you, you're probably going to see some possibly estrogen excess symptoms, but it doesn't necessarily mean you you're like seeing that in blood work. So that's where kind of clinical experience comes in and you look at exposures and could this be affecting this, but men with low estrogen, they're depressed they're sort of not very excited about life and they tend to have this kind of melancholy depression. Um, they have erectile dysfunction. There's, there's a number of things, but then if you have too much estrogen, so let's take a bodybuilder because everybody <laughs> kind of knows the stereotype of a bodybuilder who's cycling steroids. Um, and we know that the side effect typically of those steroids is you're going to have a huge increase in estrogen. And, um, men get moody, irritable, they're crying at commercials and they want to put their hand through a wall. Like they're easily angered and they're like a PMSing woman basically. And, um, you also have water retention, weight gain, elevated heart rate, heart palpitations, excessive sweating, um, not being able to sleep at night and erectile dysfunction. So you can see how like estrogen has like a happy place and she lives in this happy place. But if she gets too little or too much, you start to see problems. Testosterone itself is upstream from estrogen. And um, if your testosterone gets way too high, it's an androgenic hormone. So it's going to make things like grow. And what I'll see in guys is when it gets too high, you're going to produce more estrogen and it's the estrogen side effects that guys are really feeling, but that high testosterone is very anabolic. So it makes you like, cause do you know, you're processing that at night when you sleep. So that's why you have to sleep because testosterone is produced at night. So one of the, the guy comes in and he's got horrible sleep or he works a swing shift 
and he's got low testosterone. You know, if we want to naturally try to tackle some of this, we have to address the sleep. Cause I could go give you hormones all day long. You still have a crappy sleep schedule or you're not, you know what I mean? You're not even going to utilize that hormone as well. Like we have to get sleep again, chicken and egg. It goes low sleep suffers, but if you don't sleep well, it suffers. So you gotta, you gotta lifestyle is always key, but, um, you know, it's like, I've had guys where their testosterone's way too high or they dose themselves too high. Um, and they literally sleep like three hours and then they wake up like ready to go to the gym. <laughs> They're like, mom, why am I awake at three in the morning? Like ready to go. And I'm like, well, because testosterone is so anabolic, you're just getting all that like anabolic activity. But again, that's, that's not necessarily healthy. And this is why in, in the bodybuilding world and the steroid world, like they have to do cycles, you know, they're not doing these all the time. And when I talk about hormones and like replacement, or I've talked on multiple podcasts about testosterone replacement, we are doing physiological dosing. We are getting you into a physiological range where you feel good. You're more functional. You're not super physiological. You're not like doing uh, stacks and you're not doing rounds of steroids, which takes you into the super physiological range. Then you've got to manage all the symptoms of that. So you have to cycle that. Otherwise you'll, well, a lot of bodybuilders do end up screwing up their endocrine systems and then they have to actually get medical help to get off of them wow. because without <laughs> them, they are dysfunctional, right? Cause everything plummets. When you take exogenous uh, testosterone, your testes shrink and stop making your own. So if you stop taking testosterone, what happens? You have to slowly build your testes back up to getting the signal to make your own testosterone. So it's a rough ride when you try to get a guy off of steroids, or if he hasn't totally trashed his endocrine system that way. I've had to do it with guys that are on testosterone for, you know, they're just so low and they've been on it, but they want to get their wife pregnant. Now, basically you have no sperm count when you take testosterone. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And I tell guys like, don't think you're on birth control now and you can just go out and not be careful because all it takes is one sperm. But basically if we were to do a sperm count on you for fertility reasons, if you are on exogenous testosterone, your sperm count is going to be very low or close to zero. So you can imagine if your wife wants to get pregnant now, you have no sperm count. That doesn't really work very well. So you have to wean off the testosterone and there's ways to do that um, with medication and support. So you, you have to do that though, because it's going to take six months, 12 months to get your um, sperm count back up. Um, and there's lots of guys that do get their wives pregnant on testosterone, but it's very rare. Hmm. It's not, um, like I said, it only takes one. But, <laughs> and um, it's normally those girls because they're tough. Yeah, because they're tough right. and they hang they're, on and they can stay they there for on. days. They do. The boys are like, nope. I'm no, out I'm out. Here. I'm bored. I'm out. <laughs> well, so so those are some of the reasons, right? Is like there can be influences in the environment. People are on statin medications, stress. So we get to cortisols. Uh, cortisol is uh, funny in 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 women and in men as well, but. You know, if you have excess cortisol around, estrogen kind of keeps it in check. So that's another thing in guys. If your estrogen's super low, like you, you may not be able to handle stress as well because your cortisol's going up and you don't have anything to kind of keep it in check. Um, like a menopausal woman, she starts losing all her estrogen. And what do women come in complaining about? They're gaining weight around the middle. 
where did this come from? What is this? I've never had this. And cortisol, if it's doing its thing, it's a blood sugar hormone. It's a stress hormone. It helps you get out of bed in the morning. Really important. But in, in instances of high stress and or estrogen starts going down, there's nobody to kind of keep cortisol in check. And so he just starts running rampant. And if you're not exercising and you don't have a lot of energy output, et cetera, you just store it as fat, right? Because it terrible, has that correlation thing. to insulin and, and uh, blood sugar. So uh, cortisol is an important one too. So, so chronic stress uh, will definitely deplete your testosterone. Um, and who is not who is not feeling the effects of chronic stress these days, especially in the post COVID world, you know, I mean, we're all trying to manage as best we can, but, um, and I think there's certain populations more stressed out than not, um, with this last, with the situation that we've had. But I also think that, you know, things like just normal life are stressful. And then you add into losing your job or your income or trying to figure out, you know, how to work with your kids at home. I mean, I'm really lucky in Montana. <laughs> Our kids went back to school in September. That's awesome. You know, if we were still in Washington, um, I think the kids just went back to school. Like, it, so, uh, you know, um, there are definitely stresses that will affect you. And then sleep, melatonin is a hormone that cortisol needs to be able to come down at night. So melatonin that's secreted by the pineal gland can come up and then you can get tired and go to sleep. And that's also part of that steroid hormone pathway. So you can imagine if your cortisol is reversed or too high at night, people are not getting the signal to sleep well and they're going to bed at one, two in the morning. And um, that's going to screw testosterone up just because testosterone, again, is processed at night and when you're sleeping. So testosterone really helps with deep sleep. So if you have a guy come into you and he's complaining that he's not sleeping well, um, or a woman too, you know, a lot of women start complaining as they go into their forties with perimenopause that I just don't sleep. I don't know what's going on. Like I wake up all the time. And so, um, testosterone really helps with deep sleep. So a lot of times you'll sleep and you'll sleep lightly. You never really get into deep sleep. And so it will help with that. Um, yeah, see. <laughs> there's so many things. So, it's like, like, I mean, so to... we talked about like sleep um, and yeah. like definitely blue light affects that. And you want to try and minimize that or, or kind of mm. block that. Because especially it's, it night, blocks right? melatonin. Yeah. So it blocks melatonin. So, you know, <clears throat> when you get up first thing in the morning, you get exposed to natural light. Sun comes up your brain gets the signal it's morning and it's the pineal gland is getting stimulated. The brain gets stimulated. It wakes you up. Cortisol goes up, get out of bed. And there's multiple other hormones that are doing it as well. All the neurotransmitters, what we call excitatory neurotransmitters, all the things that kind of excite your body to come out of sleep. Um, so that natural light is what is that stimulatory thing the ad advent of electricity, actually just electricity itself really changed how humans sleep. And it's, I think, probably been one of the greatest benefits to humanity and probably one of the greatest deficits to humanity in that um, when you have light and you can now be in the dark with, with this bright lights all the time, 
you have the choice whether or not you actually want to go to sleep. Hmm. Whereas, um, you know, pre-electricity era, which really wasn't that long ago, humans were using um, kerosene, they were using uh, candles, they were using fire, they were using these things. But, but even those lights, if you've ever been around a campfire, that's a very light light. It's, it's like a more natural light, right? And then it kind of burns out and wanes. It's not this like beaming light that's like stimulating your body to wake up, which is what electricity and, and the new modern light bulb does. Um, and so computers now have even added a whole new realm because of the blue light. And the blue light is this like back screen light that helps us see each other right now but it's also stimulating my brain um, that way. And if you've ever been really sick, like I'll use me example, like I, when I was pregnant with both my kids, I had really bad morning sickness, like vomiting all the time, horrendous. And you know, when you're really sick, you go to turn your phone on. You mm. cannot look at your phone. It's like got a backlight and you see it flashing. It's really interesting. It's like your system becomes sensitive to everything. Like if, if you're not feeling well like that, and it was like, I couldn't even look at my phone. Like I would get dizzy and vomit and sick from my phone. So when you're healthy and you're not, you're not experiencing that, you're just looking at your phone all day thinking it's not doing anything to your brain. But when you actually get sensitive to your environment, like through illness or whatever, you can see all that flashing and that blue light. And it's actually, you realize how your brain is like, okay, I'm trying to deal with this. Turn that off. Like I can't handle that too. So we are just constantly overstimulated. And what is the best thing about going out into the mountains and into nature? And I'm, I'm really convinced besides Ryan's addiction to hunting <laughs> animals and going into these crazy places is that you don't have that light. You go to bed when it gets dark. Like how many times have you been on a hunt or on a camping trip? It's seven or eight o'clock. It's dark you're tired. You're, you're going to bed. Yeah. You're like hanging out unless you got a camper and you got all your lights on and you got all that light on. Maybe that's different. But if you're just in a tent nowadays, people have their phones and they're watching movies and they're doing that. So it's even now it's even hard, right? Like <laughs> turn off your light. Like the old days we go camping. You know, I remember I grew up here in Bozeman. We go to Yellowstone all the time. And I remember my dad setting up a tent and we had a lantern. It wasn't a gas lantern. I think it was electric lantern, but that was like it. And we had our little car, our Volkswagen rabbit, and it had headlights on it. And like, if we needed light, my dad would like turn the headlights on, right? Like in the campsite <laughs> at night, but we had this little lantern and we had a fire and it was like, you would eat dinner and then you would just kind of be tired and you would just go to bed because it was dark. We didn't have phones. We didn't have all this stimulation, even in the back country. So I'm, I'm pretty convinced, even though I know Ryan has his phone in the back country, he, he it's not working because he sends me a Garmin. And I yep. think now his Garmin comes through his phone. I don't know. It used to be the Garmin came through this little thing you had to text in. So I would rarely get any text because I know he doesn't want to text into this little thing. It was a pain in the butt. But now I think it comes <laughs> through his phone. So he texts me a lot more now than he used to, I think, because it's through his phone. But I know he's back there and it's like once it's night, those guys are sleeping. 
and then they're woken up by natural light or they wake up maybe before light and they're up and they're watching the sun come up so that is like it sounds so hokey to people who live in the city or we live the life we do but just think back to those times and how good you felt and how good a week-long camping trip you just come home refreshed and your your brain feels calm and I guarantee you in those moments, your hormones are improving, like your cortisol is lowering. Now, unless you're somebody like my husband and Gritty or whoever, and you are pushing yourself to the max, you're hiking 21, 25 miles a day, (laughs) elevation, you're dealing with elevation, you're dealing with weather, you're I don't know, getting shots of adrenaline with killing animals. <laughs> You're doing night hikes all night long. So I absolutely do not say take my husband, for example, because he's wrecking himself. He comes home, he's wrecked physically. But there's something mental that it draws him back to that. One, it's probably that shared suffering. It's the challenge. But I also believe it's just he comes back to this environment with all this stimulus and all the, 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 the like things he has to do and his phone. I mean, he's literally on his phone all day long with work. He's like, I got to go. And it's not like he's consciously doing that. I just think it's a subconscious thing where he's just like, okay, I'm not feeling good. Like I got to go and get out of this mess. And um, that's probably the biggest fight that we have in our marriage is that he does that a lot and I don't do it enough. And so I'm crazy woman all the time. And he's like, <laughs> Mr. Chilled out. Everyone's like, how does Ryan say so chilled out? And I'm like, well, cause Ryan gets like six months a year in the mountains. Nature therapy. That's <laughs> I don't, yeah. I'm here running the website and doing shipments and do- with the kids. And you know, we had little kids for a while. You can't take like a three-year-old into the back country for two weeks and do what Ryan wants to do. No, She's six now though. And she loves to do that stuff. She loves to go camping. So as they get older, it gets easier for us both to get out there for long stints, but I, I would say that, you know, the, the influence of electricity and, and the phones and the computers has definitely changed the way our melatonin functions at night. And so that's a big issue with sleep. So also for shift, shift workers, you know, first responders, firefighters, uh, cops who work night shifts, these kinds of things, you know, you'll, your body gets used to getting these cortisol and adrenaline rushes in the middle of the night, you know, oh, okay, you got a fire, you got to wake up and you get all worked up and then that's over. Then you got to come back and go to bed. And it probably takes you an hour or so to get back to bed because you have all this going on. And, you know, you do that over so many years. Um, it starts to cause stress or it starts to cause weight gain, starts to cause insulin resistance, starts to cause, you know, um, hormone deficiency, whatever. So, Yeah. So like, I just, I, I don't know where I saw it. I, I saw it or read it or something, but it was even to help improve jet lag is contact with soil and actually taking your mm. shoes off and putting your feet in soil and how it uh, somehow <laughs> resets you to where you are. What's... The hippie term is grounding, earthing, it's called earthing. <laughs> so I think this was developed by people that live in cities who realize living in a city really sucks because you're surrounded by cement and concrete. And, you know, um, like I'll take New York city, for example, you know, um, New York city, if you've ever been there, 
is a crazy place. Like <laughs> it's got, I don't know how many million, 12, 15 million people on Too that island. Too many for me. <laughs> yeah. But they have Central Park. And part of the theory, long time ago, they realized they needed to set aside a place where people could go and just be have exposure to nature. So if you've ever been to Central Park, it's actually a super cool place because, yeah, there's a lot of people there. It's, it's not like me going to the park here at Headwaters where there's three people there. There's hundreds, if not thousands of people running and, and, and picnicking and boating and all that. But it's a large piece of property that allows people to go and get immersion, even if that means putting their feet on the ground in the grass, right? And um, it's therapeutic and it's a very centralized place where people go and they gather and they're together. And so it's that whole idea, you know, just having some nature. It's beautiful, actually, trees and waterways and stuff like that. So, you know, that's kind of an extreme. But I think a lot of this earthing and grounding came from this idea that people live, a lot of people most of the world's population live in urban areas where they don't have maybe access all the time to great nature. So they find you go out and you'll just feel better even by standing on the earth with your bare feet. And it will help that there's what's called an ionic um, pulse of the earth. It's called pulsed electromagnetic therapy. And the earth actually has a an electromagnetic therapy. I mean, we obviously know gravity. Gravity holds us down to the earth, so we're not all floating around in the atmosphere. It's a very strong pull that we have that the earth has on us. It pulls us, keeps us grounded. Um, and there's an electromagnetic um, energy of ions that's working as well. And so, you know, when you go to the beach, like people, like why are people drawn to the beach? Well, one is because there's sunshine and you can swim in the water and it's, but what is it about the beach that people just, because there's a lot of negative ions at the beach and the water and negative ions are what we need to help relax us. And so it's the same thing with nature. You get a lot of negative ions and it helps to relax your body. And again, bring your, because we are electrical beings. So soil, um, funny you bring up soil, you know, soil is really the microbiome of the earth. And I've talked a bunch on my podcast and about the microbiome and gut health and all this stuff, you know, so if we think of our bodies as an ecosystem, we have a microbiome and we are actually more bacteria than we are human. So we're basically just a form that is there for bacteria to feed on. Sounds disgusting, but it's true. <laughs> Um, and so our microbiome, how it's influenced by our lifestyle, our stress, our food, whatever, it's the same thing with the earth. So the earth's microbiome is the soil and the soil has microbes in it. Everything in the soil that we need as humans to live is in that soil. And then of course we have sun and water and the things that, you know, you plant a seed roots go down, plant comes up towards the sun, it produces carbon dioxide. I mean, it produces oxygen for us to breathe and it eats up our carbon dioxide. It's a, and like a cow poops and the poop goes into the <laughs> ground and then the, the, all the microbes in the soil eat that poop and then it goes back up and then it grows a plant and then the cow eats the plant. And it's just like this cycle and the microbiome um, of the soil is basically represents the health of us. It basically represents the health of the animals. It represents the health of the ecosystem. And as far as humans go, humans aren't that healthy right now. 
you know, and our soils have been depleted. Um, we have a big soil issue. Um, and I mean, we're even at the point now where people are talking about making fake beef to feed people because why bother growing cattle? Because cattle basically take up so much energy and resource. Why don't we just create fake beef or we don't even need a microbiome. We just can feed people something and then whatever. And it's like the whole cycle of like life is just totally negated in that whole theory. You know, it's the cycle too of like a hunter and what I've really come to respect about hunters. And as if nobody knows, I don't hunt. So I am actually a non-hunter, um, but I, I've been hunting a little bit. I went with my daughter this last fall for her. She killed her first mule deer. It was an amazing experience for me. You know, um, I have a husband who I don't have to provide meat for my family. <laughs> I have too much meat. I'm trying to like, would you like meat? Can I give you some meat? Like, um, but if I didn't have my husband around who he lives to hunt and be out there and um, be in that cycle, if, if he didn't do that, or for some horrible reason, I lost that, um, I would do it. I would definitely hunt. Like at this point, I would be like, there's no doubt about it. I would have that to do it. It's just not really in my nature to do it. Um, but watching my daughter do it really interesting, you know, her and her dad are very similar and just her cool, comma, collected attitude about it. And, um, you just really see that cycle of life, but, you know, after she killed her mule deer, of course, she killed it literally like 60 minutes before the sun went down. And so we were like four miles or something from our tents. And so we had to clean out this and it was November. So it was cold <laughs> and windy and we had to uh, break the animal down, clean it out, pack it on our backs and snowstorm back to our tents. You know, it was the classic Ryan Lampers night pack, like suffer, <laughs> low blood sugar. I thought I was going to pass out like sweating. Paley, I think, hit her sleeping bag, literally didn't even eat dinner. She just went in the tent and like flopped on her belly. And the next thing I know, she was in her sleeping bag asleep. Um, but there was that cycle of life, you know, you, you spend all that hard work, you get the animal. You spend time with the animal right after it dies. You know, it's not just like. You just think, oh, you got, you know, there's some time spent with the animal and the gratitude of that and the the whole especially probably on a first hunt the whole like thing of like oh my gosh I just did that and so you know you have that time and you take some pictures and then you you know you whatever and then you realize okay we got to get this animal broken down and then you go through the whole thing you know Ryan breaking this animal down us going through the insides him showing us stuff us doing organs like sectioning it out putting in bags putting on back like that's a cycle that most people have no clue about nothing they don't nope. get their hands bloody they're not up to their elbows in bodily fluids which is building your microbiome okay so studies have shown that people who hunt are exposed to blood from animals have dogs have farm animals who garden who whatever they have more robust microbiomes they are sick less and are healthier more. So, you know, when you experience that and you're in that and you've taken a life and then you've, you've been in the process of cleaning it up and then taking it home and then feeding, cleaning it, feeding it to your family. And there's, you know, that circle of life, you've been in that animal's body basically, right? You've, 
you've been exposed to all this microbes and bacteria and um not only in his body but the food that he was eating and the things that he was exposed to you know like most people just like they're not exposed to that at all they have no clue they just go to the grocery store they just buy their meat and now oh we'll just sell you fake meat and you just (laughs) won't even know the difference and and this is where it's like okay great i mean you're just further degradating people's connection with the process you're further destroying their microbiome. And not only that, you're making them believe that they are not part of the global like life and death. It's plugging that, them into the matrix almost. <laughs> oh, if you don't think we're going into the matrix after yeah. the last year, I don't know where you've been, but you obviously are not like you're not in the group of people that I'm talking about right now. And what I like (laughs) about hunters and what I love about this community is um, when I came into this community, I was very, um, I'm not a political person at all. I really hate politics, but I was much more like, you know, I was that greeny liberal hippie person that everybody talks about, you know, whatever. And, and that's because I, I actually, you know, was raised in Montana. My parents were liberal, whatever you want to call it. It doesn't really matter, but we still spent a lot of time outside. And my mom had a lot of animals. I grew up with so many animals. So my mother is like an animal lover. You know, she's like a saver of animals, but there was a dichotomy where a lot of people would think hunters are abusive people because they kill animals. You know, there was never this if you didn't know hunters and you didn't know, and you didn't listen to the story. And also I do feel like things have maybe changed some. I feel like the, the generations of people hunting today uh, live in the modern world. And they also, they're aware of how non-hunters perceive them and they want to share the experience instead of just this, like, cause when I was a kid, it was like, I mean, in Montana, I mean, people just put their deer on their hood and drive around <laughs> town. And it was like, I'm not saying it, I'm, I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm just saying it wasn't very respectful. There just didn't seem to be the same amount of respect for animals. So I think a lot of people that got burned by that stereotype of the hunter, they went over more to the, to the non-hunter circle because they felt like they had more respect and care for animals, which of course today the people that I know in the hunting world have way more respect for animals than any non-hunter I know, you know what I mean? Like, but it's just, I think things have changed, but I I do feel that, you know, that's kind of what I came from. So I had this idea that I love animals so much and I'm, I'm like this thing. And and what I really realized going on this hunt with my daughter and just having been married to Ryan for a couple decades, is like, that is um, unfortunately the wrong the wrong way we look at hunters and we should be looking at hunters as people that are keeping that cycle of life going that they understand what it takes to actually take a life Um, it's not easy and personally I think anybody who thinks it's just easy and they just don't care and they're just killing things randomly those in medical school and psych class those are called sociopaths they kill (laughs) for fun right right it's that's a poacher and I listened to a podcast yesterday. Um, I forget who it was. Uh, it was about a, a ranger, uh, a park, not a park ranger, um, a warden who basically his job is to catch poachers. And he was talking about why people poach. 
And he said, he thinks there are people that poach for food. So like they need the food and they'll poach the deer for the food. So he was for the whole roadkill thing. If you, if for the States to allow people to take roadkill home, mm -hmm. because a lot of these poachers won't poach if they can get roadkill. Um, and we're talking probably in lower income communities where, you know, more rural, low income communities, people need the food. Um, but he also said people that just poach, there are people that literally one guy justified it because he was giving the meat away. Mm. Um, he, he, he just couldn't stop killing. He actually just loved to kill. And he was like, he had a mental disease. Like he, he was not healthy in his mind. He was just killing these deer. Um, and he justified it as well. I'm helping the community and I'm giving this meat away. Well, you're just poaching animals because you just want to kill them. It's not like he was saying, I need the meat. I'm hungry. My family needs to fill the freezer, um, you know, and I couldn't draw a tag and see like whatever the excuse was. So that was really interesting to Hill. So in medical school, you know, we learned psychiatric disorders for the DSM and sociopaths are people like those are the kids that like torture animals for fun, right? Yep. They torture them. <laughs> they don't just shoot like a squirrel with their BB gun and go, Oh, look, I killed a squirrel. They like torture the squirrel, you know? Um, and I think, so I think that most of society has this idea that hunters are torturing the squirrel. You know what I mean? And I probably had that personification as well. Yeah. I think the a problem lot of people was, do. I really do. Yeah, especially they, with social media these days. Um, you know, yeah. you get one guy that puts a duck in his mouth or whatever, and people see that, or they do something kind of stupid or lay down naked next to the deer. And, you know, people see that and it gets just repeated and repeated and it's an echo chamber. And next thing you know, people think all hunters are doing that. And it's kind of a problem in itself, but at the same time, people need to look at it with an open mind and say, okay, maybe this guy's an idiot. All the rest of the people, maybe I can surround myself with a few more and try and get a feel for that versus actually trying to make a judgment. But yeah, and I, I think we have to remember, like, whether you care or not, like what other people think, there's a lot of people like Ryan, Ryan, I mean, he cares what you think. And, and he, he wants to be respectful. But like, if you want to tell Ryan how to live his life, <laughs> he's just going to walk away from yeah. you. <laughs> and he'll do it in the most respectful way, but he's going to be like, yeah, don't tell me how to live my life. Like I, um, you know, but some people, they literally just don't think about what they just don't care and, and they don't think about it. So if you, you know, if all your friends are hunters and you take a picture of you laying naked by a deer, you know, all your buddies are going to think that's really cool. <laughs> but the problem is those are the kind of pictures that go viral. And then the majority, the 80 to 90% of the population that doesn't understand that is going to be like, this guy's a sociopath. Yep. So yep. if you are a sociopath, you're probably doing that more frequently, but you, you're probably the guy that, you know, didn't kill the deer with a rifle, with a good shot, you tortured the deer and you did, you know, whatever else. And you took this stupid picture with it. So there, there's a very small percentage of people that are like that. And unfortunately, like anything else, if those pictures get out, then it's like, you know, everybody stereotypes you as that. And so what I would like to do is when I have a conversation with a non-hunter, because actually most people are really intrigued by it, because in this day and age, most people are like realizing, one, the food system could crash. Two, the reliance that we have on 
the powers that be just to eat is insane. It's a very fragile, fragile, very fragile. And people are trying to realize people are starting to realize that they need to become more connected to that. And so I think if you, it's fun to have a conversation with a non-hunter and just explain, you know, um, that whole process, like just even talking about Paley's experience of her, the deer and being there and witnessing that and the whole process or having people go watch the film, um, on Grady's channel, people are just like, wow, that was my dad, my, my birth father who is, he's super open-minded, but he's not a hunter. He called me and he said, that was a very emotional experience to watch Paley do that. He said, Mm -hmm because I know Paley and I know her heart and like, I know how she is and I know Ryan and to watch them do that together and to have that experience. He said, it was super powerful for me. And this is coming from a non hunter. So I I think, um, I think we have to remember that, but how I want to bring it in is like, it's good to have these experiences and being connected to the animal, to the blood, to the soil, this builds you as a more robust person. And it creates health. Yes, definitely. Yes. I think that's a good point to wrap it up. We kind of really okay. tied it in there at the end. I like yeah. that. Um, good. So before we go, can you tell everybody where they can find you and Ryan and all the different channels and, <sighs> and if they wanted medical advice, how they could seek that if they're looking and their doctor's not giving them the right answers, maybe there's a natural way to pursue that. Sure. So uh, we have so many platforms, but probably... <laughs> Probably the best one is um, Stealthy Hunter, S-T-H, stealthyhunter.com is our website. Um, the podcast is huntharvesthealth.com. That also goes to the same place, but um, that's going to give you lots of information, recipes, blogs. We have some great contributors. We have a chef who works for us and creates meals. So we have some videos. We're trying to work on our YouTube more. Um, you can, um, also we have Instagram, all that kind of stuff. You can email us our emails on the website. Um, if you want to, if you live in Montana or Washington, um, you can actually see me as a patient through telehealth. Now COVID has changed some things and made it easier for medical, um, visits. If you're outside of those States, we do require that you have to come to Montana for your first visit. Makes it silly, but I do have patients do that if you want to travel. And then after that, we can do a lot of stuff over telemedicine. Um, I will be doing a podcast shortly on ways to find a good doctor in your area. I do think that unfortunately, especially in the Midwest (laughs) and like where you're located and out in that area, it's actually hard to find good um, functional medicine and naturopathic care. And so um, naturopathic.org is our association. And I think you could go in there and search in your location for doctors like myself that are going to just look more into your health um, and dive more into it um, than maybe your conventional MD. You can also think of functional medicine doctors. They've been certified and they tend to be MDs, MDs, et cetera. So they're just going to spend more time with you and do a lot of what I would do with you. I focus and specialize mainly in hormonal health um, and men's health and menopause and postmenopause. Um, but yeah, I mean, elevatehealthmt.com is our clinic website. If you want more information, I also do free consults through there. You just have to make an appointment through there. Um, and 
Yeah, just one of millions of different <laughs> things. <laughs> well, Doc, it's been okay. awesome. Thank you for sharing. I know that's sure. a lot of information compounded yeah. into a short amount of time. So I do recommend that people, you know, dig into this further if they if they have some questions or anything like that. And I'm sure you're more than happy to help. Um, yep. So thank you so much for coming on and thank you for sharing. Thanks, Lucas. Take care. Once again, thank you so much for listening to the Publicly Challenged podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, please subscribe on whatever platform it is you're listening to. Also, if you could leave a review, that would help us out. And you can check us out on Instagram or at publiclychallenged.com. And once again, thank you so much for listening to the show. legendary shows in the outdoors is on waypoint tv don't miss primo's truth about hunting wednesday nights at 7 p.m eastern on waypoint tv the destination for outdoor entertainment fun to go like just full-blown redneck on these fish this is like high-tech cane pole fishing right here from the white sandy beaches to the crystal blue waters enjoy the best fishing panama city beach has to offer during chasing the sun sundays at 9 30 a.m eastern on waypoint tv the destination for outdoor entertainment